Hello, you're listening to the Not The Top 20 podcast betting show with Ali Maxwell and with George Ellick, who is on the line with me today. Uh, last week, we had a good weekend in terms of naps. Two out of two, Leeds and Lincoln getting up for us, making it five out of six for the season with the naps. Not great outside of that. George, you nailed Bradford as well in your other bets, uh, but generally those extra bets and the bonus bets, of course, were wider the mark. So looking to maintain the nap record and improve the rest. Uh, we're looking ahead to the fifth set of fixtures now because we've had a busy week, both personally and across the EFL. We've been traveling across the country watching various EFL games. And uh, George, last night you spent three hours in the presence of greatness. Mark, <laughs> Mark Chapman, Andy Reid, Owen Coyle, BBC Radio 5 Live, talking to millions of people. How did you enjoy the, uh, the round the grounds 5 Live experience? Yeah, it's the making of quite a good five-a-side team there, I think. Um, <laughs> certainly with, with Mr. Coyle and, uh, and Mr. Reid. But uh, yeah, no, it was great fun and very kind of, of the BBC to, to invite me on. And um, fingers crossed, it's not the last time you'll hear us doing that stuff. So, um, yeah, really, really, really enjoyed it. Do you remember that amazing goal that Owen Coyle scored for Burnley Reserves when he was their manager? He, he turned out for their reserve team and scored an absolute screamer. You can find very grainy footage on YouTube, uh, which, nice. I would, which I would implore the listeners to do and George when we finish here. Um, but we, so we were at Oxford 2, Burton 4. And I'm certainly drawing on that experience with one of my selections uh, this afternoon. And I was also at Preston 3, Stoke 1, which was a, a strange game, really. Stoke losing it more than Preston winning it, uh, in, in my eyes. And I don't mean that as a slight on Preston. They didn't need to be particularly good in order to win. And, and after some positivity over Stoke's underlying performances, uh, if not their results, that was a, a bit of a shock to the system, I think. And Nathan Jones increasingly desperate in his post-match interviews you can understand why because some of the errors being made by some of his players both in front of goal and in their own defensive box is uh, is undermining him somewhat so all not well at Stoke and they've got leads this weekend which is going to be very very tough for them let's get into our selections George we're going to start with our best bets with our naps this weekend Please remember, guys, if you are listening to this betting show, that gambling is for over-18s only, and it comes with risks. Head to gambleaware.org for more information surrounding gambling and the risks involved. George, what's your best bet this weekend? Yeah, my nap is, is it's quite a funny one, because anyone who's listened to this podcast for a while will know that we have quite a good relationship with Huddersfield fans after being positive about them before and then throughout their promotion season. And often get, well, I often get accused of having an anti-Reading bias. And my nap comes in Huddersfield against Reading, and I'm backing Reading. So nice. make, make of that what you will. But George, um, you're, you're an Oxford fan, so obviously you, you, you're very biased against Reading. I hate them. <laughs> um, I definitely don't. And yeah, they're, they're 27 to 10 to win the game. Um, or they're 6 to 4, draw no bet. And, and I basically um, am tipping up both, if that's allowed. Kind of split stakes, I guess. Um, where Huddersfield, I guess, are probably the key here. Um, anyone who listened on Five, on Five Live last night will, will have heard me say that they beat, on the 25th of November last year, they beat Wolves 2-0. And since that game, they've won one game, one match in all competitions. Uh, so they're getting on to, to nearly kind of 10 months of, of one victory, in which time they've been through two managers. Uh, Jan Siva has left the club. Uh, Mark Hudson took, took charge of the game yesterday in which they were defeated by a Cardiff side who are really struggling to, to, to come to terms, I guess, with being back in the championship. 
the losing culture is troubling the club. Um, I think we thought we were being quite negative by having them in ninth position in our pre-season predictions. I think that now seems aggressively positive unless they get this, this managerial change right. And if they do get the change right, and if you know whoever the new technical director, the sporting director brings in, um, is the right man and can turn the, the fortunes of the club around, that's, that's no surprise. But this Saturday is certainly too early for that to happen. Um, how they can be nearly even money to win a game of football in their current state, um, especially having lost Aaron Moy for the season to Brighton is, is just baffling to me. And, and I'd, I'd be very interested to know the reasoning behind anyone who's backing them this weekend. Um, Reading, on the other hand, I'm still not necessarily convinced they're going to be anything better than kind of mid-table fodder, um, possibly even worse. But the signs of the, of the recruitment side are definitely already looking pretty good. Uh, they took the lead yesterday against West Brom. And I think um, Jose Gomez made a bit of a bit of a bit of an error, I think, in his game management there, where as soon as they as they took the lead, they sat very, very deep and invited pressure, eventually conceding a penalty. Uh, Ajaria, who, who scored the goal, was the man who gave away the penalty. And they were very lucky not to lose 2-1 as well, with West Brom missing a good chance after that 88-minute penalty as well. So... The, the, the signs are there for Reading. They've, they've, they obviously completely wiped the floor with, with Cardiff um, last weekend. And, and I think what Reading fans are basically saying is one of the best displays of football they've seen from Reading in the Championship for a long time. And Puskas, who they brought in from, from Inter Milan, who you know, we urged a bit of, or I urged a bit of caution over. He does look like the real deal. Ajari and Swift have both started the season very well indeed, and they're not conceding many goals. So... I, I think this is a fantastic time for Reading to go to Huddersfield um, and, you know, the quotes of, of nearly 3-1 to one at 27-10. to 10, um, Yeah, I, I think there are a few markets where you can really lean into Reading here because Huddersfield are, are, a, crisis cu- are a crisis club and if they don't turn things around pretty quickly, then they could be looking at back-to-back relegations. Yeah, for the sake of, of our own record, I mean, I won't thank you for for splitting your stakes and that sort of thing. But just so I'm clear on this so that we can top things up yeah. for next week, what, <laughs> what is your selection? What is your nap? Um, I'll, I'll take them just to win, I guess. Let's maximise, you know. So let's go 27 to 10, Huddersfield to win. Okay, fairly risky. You are, of course, the only... Mm. The only person to have Reading picked to a, a Reading to win. Reading to there win. Yeah. Reading to win. You are the only one of us so far to have picked a, a non-winner nap, and that was when you got a bit greedy with Bristol City away to Birmingham in terms of price. So let's see how this one I goes. Think, I think after you saying that, I'm basically going to get against whatever you say here because I think you've just written <laughs> your own <laughs> your own eulogy. Yeah, no doubt. My best bet is Wickham to beat Southend at home this weekend. You can get at 21 to 20, which is 2.05 in the decimal. That's with Ladbrokes and Coral uh, currently as we record on Thursday, late afternoon. That's the best price on Odds Checker. This is unsurprisingly probably more about Southend than about Wickham, um, but a little bit about Wickham as well. So you successfully got against Southend last week. Lincoln were your nap and they absolutely thrashed them at 4-0. Uh, all reports from that game were that Lincoln looked like every inch the, the, the top half, the challenger potentially League One team, but that Southend's performance levels were about as low as, uh, as as you can imagine really for a League One team. I've had a prominent EFL analyst get in touch about this Southend team uh, saying that they essentially look unbelievably bad with no structure and no control, no idea of where to be and what to do, uh, panicking every time the opposition have it and, uh, and, and not sure that he'd seen a worse side at this level than Southend. And look, it's not like that's not reflected in the results so far. They've lost all four league games uh, to Coventry, to Blackpool, 
to Lincoln uh, and to, to Peterborough in midweek. Not the easiest fixtures uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but they've just scored the one goal and that was when they were already 3-0 down against Blackpool and Blackpool had gone down to, to 10 men. If you look at uh, shapes and personnel and structure, already uh, Mr. Bond is, is, is scrabbling around really to find a, a team, to find an 11 that works. Uh, he's already tried a lot of different players, including young players like Kelman uh, and Isaac Hutchinson and a, fairly, a few different shapes already, 3-5-2, 4-4-2. Again, nothing's really happening. So it's, I mean, it would take something very impressive for Southend, given this run of form and given the terrible, terrible vibes around the place, to pull a performance out of the bag that, that could get them even a point uh, in this game because they're up against a Wigan team who, quite the opposite, have had a fantastic start to this season, who from the moment over the summer that they received some extra investment from a, a US investor have just really reinvigorated that's really reinvigorated the club and it's been quite tangible just through following uh, various Wickham uh, fans and 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 just by sort of taking a look at the state of play as they start the season and it, it's been reflected both in who they were able to sign in the summer the signings of Onyedinma and Wheeler stood out immediately as the sort of players that Wickham hadn't had in the last few years the sort of players that could take them from being what was a, a very uh, a team able to survive last season but probably unable to do much more than that with the squad that they had to actually giving them some genuine quality. And, and what we're seeing is that uh, is that so far this season, they're showing a fair amount of quality. They've got a very, very good record. Even if you take away what was a bit of a gimme win against Bolton, uh, they've still impressed. They beat MK Dons last week at home. Um, they drew in midweek against Fleetwood away from home, a very impressive result. And uh, they drew as well away at, at Bristol Rovers. So I'm, I'm just kind of thinking that back at home against a team like South End, this Wickham side with that extra quality uh, and with Ainsworth at the wheel just sort of giving them a, a real bit of thrust and a, a real bit of positivity that they could could sort of make this one pretty easily. I guess the the concern would be how Wickham deal with being pretty heavy favourites, you have to say. Uh, I can't imagine since they've been in League One there'll be many games where they were hovering around even money to win a League One game. Um, so how will they deal with the expectation on them to win this game comfortably uh, for a team maybe more comfortable in a in a in a tighter game, in a bit of a cockfight, if you will? Uh, that remains to be seen. So that's my one concern. But in general, I'm so confident that Southend are, are really poor that I think Wickham are a, a good thing here. So Wickham, my best bet of the weekend around even money, 2.05 with Ladbrokes and Coral. So some extra bets, George, to next best selections and then a bonus each talk me through a next best selection so as you said you were at Preston Stoke yesterday uh, the game was on the TVs in the studio so I got to see a fair bit of it and I'm still sticking to the I'm banging the drum about Stoke having to keep the faith with Nathan Jones however Leeds come to town on Saturday and I think at this stage from what we're seeing from Leeds you know they beat Brentford last night playing not particularly well, but managed to get the late goal to get them over the line. Um, they've got those options off the bench with Nketiah coming off, coming off uh, to play up front alongside Bamford. When pushing for the win, and at 5-4, to four, I think they are value to, to get the job done um, in Stoke. Uh, you see what's happened to Jack Butland uh, after his two errors again last night. I think that makes it four for the season. Uh, and uh, I think the impact that has on him and the impact it has on, on the defensive capabilities of the back four in front of him can't really be underestimated. Um, they've still conceded the fewest shots in the league and conceded the most goals, which is just absurd. 
And I do think that if they keep the faith of the manager, then that eventually will change. But Leeds are the class act in the league. I don't care what anyone says about Fulham's possession last night against the Millwall team who basically weren't interested in having any possession. Um, Leeds are the team to beat. They're the favourites for, the, for a reason. And we've seen, we've had enough games already this season to show that losing Roof, losing Janssen, it doesn't matter. Um, White's coming at centre-back and been brilliant. Uh, as I mentioned, Nketiah is now the other striking option who, who looks very sharp indeed. So, it's it's in a way, I think it could be the perfect game for Stoke coming into because there's no pressure and I, I guess very little expectations just for this one. Um, but I thought the Leeds would be odds on and, and they're at uh, the price they are, there are very few teams I wouldn't bat them to beat. Um, and we've already seen this season and, and for spells last season that playing away from home doesn't really phase them at all. So, um, yeah, five to four leads are my next best. Nice. My next best selection is in League One. I'm pretty much staying away from the Championship at the moment, and that's been a bit of a theme so far this season. I'm just finding it quite hard to trust anything, really. Too much weird stuff happening, too few teams that I can be sure of being good or bad on any given day. If you use the app Info Goal, which I would suggest that you do for, for up-to-date XG maps during games on Saturdays or on midweek evenings, whenever it may be, they also collect a sort of XG league table of sorts um, with various algorithms going into that based on quality of chances created. And that sort of league table, which I think is famously known by people within the Matthew Benham world, whether it's Brentford or, or Midtjylland, uh, they know the XG league table as the Justice League. Now, whether that's uh, the correct thing to say or not, <laughs> that remains to be seen. But anyway, if you look at InfoGoal's current Justice League, the XG League table on their app, you'll see that the league table is is simply all over the place. There's very little consistency within teams at this early stage of the season, and it's making for a very entertaining league, but also a league that I'm finding it very tough to punt on. So I'm going to stick with League One here, uh, and it's Burton away at Shrewsbury. I'm going to take them draw no bet here, and hopefully I'll explain why over the course of, of this next bit. They are just over even money, 21 to 20 draw no bet and we saw them against Oxford on Tuesday and I was left struck by something that we we sort of knew already uh, but maybe seeing it in the flesh sort of hammered it home I guess this is a, a Burton team who did fairly well last season um, but not quite reaching the playoffs and I see them as being a better team this year potentially a better team in a, in a weaker top half of the division as well I think that bodes really well and they, they always seem to play pretty well. They're not a team with a huge amount of star players or rather well-known players maybe would be the key word because I think they do have some stars. But what became very clear watching this game against Oxford was that Oxford, who have lots of quality across the pitch, were much more frantic, uh, were much less confident within themselves. And that comes from a lot of summer signings and people joining the day before a game, and, and that's completely understandable. But you see the opposite from Burton. You see a clever team, uh, clever players who understand their role. They do not play in an, in an expansive or complicated way. They have a very simple way of playing, but it's based around unselfish play. And honestly, I found it brilliant to watch. They didn't dominate Oxford by any means they scored four goals a lot of that was thanks to the fantastic finishing of Scott Fraser but in Boyce up front they just had someone I'm so impressed with when he signed from Scotland I think he'd just finished top scorer in the SPL and we were expecting this poacher this number nine who just penalty box finisher and he couldn't be less like that watching him in the flesh every single thing he did 
was the correct decision from a team point of view. There wasn't a, a bit of selfish play from him at all. He is a quick thinker. He plays quick passes and interchanges well with his uh, midfield players like Fraser behind him, but also with Broadhead, who looks like a, a threat, the youngster on loan from Everton off the left, and Aikens, who's just just an absolute stalwart at this level, isn't he? He's such a handful physically, um, but another just clever player. And, and when you've got Quinn at the base of midfield, Fraser, who was just glorious. I, I feel like he's a sort of player, Scott Fraser, who maybe because of a, of of physical uh, a, a lack of physical skill in terms of pace and maybe stamina and what have you that might be what's holding him back because in terms of intelligence in terms of quality in that left foot that I, I haven't seen many better at that level so uh, I like Burton and I, I'm just I'm always confident that they're going to perform to a certain level let's say seven out of ten in most games they've won both of their away games so far the only obvious weakness which Oxford exploited very easily worryingly so was that lack of pace at the back especially with Buxton and Brayford at right back Buxton at centre back they do look slow uh, and that was capitalised upon Shrewsbury not quite as good this season as I was hoping pre-season from what we've seen so far anyway um, their home record under Sam Rickett since he took over four wins four defeats and seven draws so the thing putting me off Burton winning this outright at, th- at uh, three to one sorry at two to one is Shrewsbury's home draw record. Their games tend to be very low scoring at home. Um, but I do like Burton. I want to get with Burton. I'm going to pick them draw no bet to just over even money, 2.05 or or 21 to 20. So one more next best bet each, George. Yeah, I'm sticking to the championship. So three from three for me. Uh, <laughs> going, going against your thinking entirely. <laughs> but uh, yeah, QPR at 21 to 20 to beat Wigan. Um, QPR have lost their last two games. They lost to Bristol City and they lost to Swansea. But on the balance of play, they basically shouldn't have lost either. Um, last night was a little bit different where they dominated possession and they had a, the better of the ball and Swansea were largely disappointing. But Swansea did create the best chances of the game. So we have to give them credit for that. But what Mark Warburton has this team playing in an attacking brand of football. He's getting the best out of certain players, the likes of, of Bright Samuel um, and, and Easy as well. Yes, they apparently played very well again. So these, these young attacking players that he's got at his disposal who I think haven't had much trust invested in them recently. I think Warburton's building something quite exciting. And we talk about not relying too much on results. And I think this is a case where maybe looking at the points tally of QPR doesn't really tell the whole story. Uh, With Wigan, their away form, their away perils continue to haunt them. And generally since that opening day 3-2 win against Cardiff, they've been absolutely shocking. Um, And I see no reason why their troubles on the road will improve in what I think is a really difficult trip um, to West London. So at 21 to 20, I think that, that Warburton and his team, if they put in a similar performance as the one at Ashton Gate and as the one last night, they should be able to do away with the poorest away team in the league. Nice. My third and final team selection, uh, taking a slightly different route, I guess, here. I, I would put this in the category of a stats-based and price-based bet. And it's it should che- all be price based. Well, of course, but this one more so than, than ever. Well, let's call it a stats based bet <laughs> okay. then uh, at a price that I think is very generous, shall we say. Uh, it's Cheltenham to beat Swindon this weekend at home. Um, they are 3.2 best price on odds checker. So over two to one here. And the reason why I think that is very generous is uh, just very simple. I'm going to rattle off a few stats. Marco Hare style, the man we'd all like to be. 
And that is to say that in Cheltenham's last 17 league home games, they have won 12, drawn four and lost one for 40 points for, from 17 games. Uh, in their last 12 home league games, they've won nine, drawn three for 30 points from those 12 games. So quite simply, before you dig into anything else and before you think too deeply about this, Cheltenham are a team who, in terms of League Two football, uh, playing at home are currently about as good as it gets. Uh, 30 points from 12 games is absolutely fantastic. Now, it's clear that away from home, they have issues and a huge disconnect between the two. Uh, That's fine because they're at Wadden Road this weekend or the Johnny Rocks, I think it's called now. I lose track of some of the uh, sponsors' names, which I really shouldn't. But uh, they're up against a Swindon team who clearly pose a threat, especially on the counter-attack. I don't see Cheltenham as being a team who throw men forward to a particularly extreme extent. So I'm not that concerned about the counter-attack. The only thing I would say is they're a very strong set-piece team. Um, They play three at the back, and that means that they do chuck a lot of long throws in. Um, They will pump a lot of free kicks in. So I suppose that heightens the potential for counter-attacks for this Swindon team, who look very good on the counter. But I'm I'm basically just going with the stats here. Cheltenham, nine wins of their last 12 at home, 12 of their last 17, over two to one to beat Swindon, I think is very, very kind. So that's my last uh, next best selection. All that leaves, George, is a bonus selection, and yours is pretty lively. Yeah, uh, championship again, four from four. Jesus. Um, and important not to get too carried away with Fulham's win yesterday. <laughs> you always say this. <laughs> it is. Um, the 4 0 win was, was all well and good. Um, relied on some magic from, from Caviero. And I don't think the dominance over Millwall um, was necessarily reflected in the possession. But I think the Nottingham Forest, who they're playing on Saturday, have made a very, very worrying start to life on the road under um, Mr. Sabri Lamucci, where Monsieur were, Sabri Lamucci. Monsieur, I should say. Sorry, Sabri. Um, they were dreadful at Ellen Road and were totally and utterly battered and somehow came away with a point with pretty much the only attack of the game. Yesterday, if, if there was any justice, Charlton would have been 3-0 up by half-time before, in fairness to them, um, Forrest came back into the game and were just about good value for their point. But after what was a first half where they just didn't show up. And we know that Fulham have this attacking trio of, of Cavaliero, Mitrovic and Knockhart that pretty much any manager in the championship for the last five years probably would have swapped their, their trio for. So it's not it's not going to be a massive surprise to see Fulham repeat the trick of, of just Craven Cottage domination in terms of goals very often this season. I think we can probably expect them to, to rack up a, a few, a few times. So I just think that if Forest starts slowly like they did um, against Charlton, if they, if they play poorly like they did against Leeds, um, where Leeds had so many chances as well to, uh, to really put their, put themselves out of sight, I think we could be seeing another battering uh, for Fulham. So even though normally I would be urging caution about Fulham, I think this falls as a good time to maybe just double down. And at 5-1, to one, I'm going for Fulham minus 2. So 3-0, 4-1, 5-2 and above. Um, although I, I should point out that Fulham minus 1 at 19-10 to 10 also appeals. And them just to win at 7-10. to 10 as well so um basically staying on the staying on the Fulham bus for one more stop before I hop off 
Okay, well done. Well, look, George, it's very important not to get carried away with centre-backs scoring goals from set pieces. Um, <laughs> uh, but that's that's where we are. Look, I'm uh, I'm still going for it. And at this stage, I am looking at League Two. And I'm at a very early stage going through the teams who are conceding a lot of goals from set pieces and teams who are scoring a lot or creating a lot of chances from set pieces. Newport are an obvious team. I was sad not to be on, on a Newport centre-back, Halkins, when he scored last weekend because they're often one of the first teams you look for. Uh, I certainly wouldn't put anyone off looking at a Cheltenham centre-back given what we've just spoken about with them being so strong at home and putting so many balls into the box. Uh, Boyle always seems like a fairly popular target for Cheltenham. Uh, but I'm going to take Theo Vassell at Macclesfield here and that's because they are playing against Scunthorpe I guess this is kind of stats-based as well. They're playing against Scunthorpe, who have already conceded three goals from corners. That's the most in League Two. Uh, they've scored a couple themselves as well. Mercado, for example, on the weekend. Uh, they also conceded a very soft goal from a set-piece last week, a, a free kick quickly taken by Crawley. Uh, and they've also conceded from the penalty spot. So three from corners, one from fr a free kick, one from a penalty. Scunthorpe's uh, goals conceded in that sense, slightly reflective of the state that they're in. We we spoke a lot about Notts County last season. They conceded a lot of goals from set pieces. And, you know, while you don't want to make a broad brushstroke, I think it's acceptable uh, to say that teams in a state of disarray off the field and struggling for form on it um, and, and going through chaotic periods are probably going to be slightly less solid when it comes to defending set pieces than, than those who are, who are sort of comfortable with themselves and heading in the right direction, shall we say. So I, I'm going to pick a Macclesfield side who are, well, they're on pretty good form. They, they went down to Morecambe uh, in midweek, although they did create a few chances, notably from set pieces. Uh, but a team who have generally done quite well, who have Darren McMahon in charge now, with uh, Whitaker assisting him rather than taking charge as we thought he might. And Theo Vassell is a target of theirs from set pieces. That is clear by the fact that he has had five shots already this season, one on target. He obviously scored on the second weekend. He appears to be a major target for Macclesfield. So coupled with Scunthorpe's vulnerability from set pieces and his 33 to 1 price with Bet365, uh, I'll be doing my usual very small stake each way goal scorer bet on a centre-back. This week it's Theo Vassell. I'm, I need to get a winner in early so that I can be playing with house money in the, in, in the next sort of uh, few months. But that's my selection. That's my bonus selection. George, before we finish, just run us through your selection so that so that I can note them down more than anything because uh, quite keen on some of them. Um, the nap is Reading to beat Huddersfield. Uh, then we have uh, Leeds to beat Stoke. QPR to beat Wigan and Fulham minus two is the bonus bet for a championship four out of four. Sure you don't want Leeds as your two-pointer? I'm definitely sure. Okay, Thanks. just checking. <laughs> you I'm... sure you sure you don't want um, Cheltenham as your two-pointer? Two oh, well done, you were listening. Um, I, um, I've got Wickham as my nap there at home to Southend. I've got Burton draw no bet away at Shrewsbury as well. I've got Cheltenham to beat Swindon at home. And I've got Theo Vassell of Macclesfield to score first in that game against Scunthorpe. Thank you guys for listening to this betting show. Thank you for your patience. It's a little later than it was last week, but I assure you it's for good reasons. We had a lengthy four and a half hour drive home from Manchester uh, this morning. It was made slightly more bearable by uh, uh, some real sing-along action from George and I, going through mostly 
the Spotify playlist Indie Bangers 2002 to 2008, which I would suggest to anyone who was a, 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 young, a young person in that period who was into indie music. A real treat, George, to have spent the last 72 hours with you. Uh, but now it's time for a bit of a break. Uh, next week, things are going to be a little bit different because I'm taking a bit of time out going for a bit of sun uh, in uh, in Porto and then Valencia. Going to throw some tomatoes around in, in Bunyol next Wednesday, which I'm very <laughs> excited about. Uh, and so, George, you are you are leading the ship. You are producing Monday's podcast. It's going to uh, be absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> Just you wait. And I cannot wait to hear it. I will be phoning in, making sure that there is some semblance of normality. But uh, otherwise, we'll see what you do on Monday. Thank you guys for listening. Best of luck with your bets this weekend. And we'll talk again on Monday.